By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return but as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. And therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Amen. And we thank God tonight for Hebrews chapter 11. In just a few weeks' time, when we get into Christmas and we head towards that wonderful season, on December the 20th, Star Wars episode 9 comes out. Episode 9, if you can believe that. It's not even Episode 9, because there's been other shows, other films, uh, other series as well to add to it. So there's been an abundance of Star Wars since it took off back in the 1970s. I was a child who grew up with Star Wars. I loved it. I still do. Uh, I really always have enjoyed the saga. And perhaps you will have heard this story before about the late, great Alec Guinness. He of the Bridge Over the River Kwai fame. Uh, he once won an Oscar, I think, for that very film. But Alec Guinness was in Star Wars. Obi-Wan Kenobi was his character. And apparently he entered into this through gritted teeth. He didn't really fancy it. Uh, he was a, a grand actor of stage and screen. He was a serious actor. And so he thought that the, the, the script of Star Wars, whilst interesting, had awful dialogue. And he didn't really want to be bothered. And so when he entered into negotiations with uh, the director, George Lucas, and the companies involved... He got double his fee that they'd originally offered him, and also he negotiated two and a quarter percent of all future profits. Now, at the time, nobody was terribly sure that Star Wars would be a big hit. Nobody thought that perhaps it would be still, all these years later, going to episode nine and making Disney absolute billions. But Lucas had the wit to ask for it, and maybe through gritted teeth. He went and acted Obi-Wan Kenobi. He died in the first film. If you haven't seen it by yet, you're too late. Uh, but here's the thing. Whilst the man who voiced Darth Vader, James Earl Jones, was paid £5,000 for his involvement, it is estimated that by the time Alec Guinness died in the year 2000, because of the contract that he had signed, 
he had gained almost 60 million pounds. 60 million pounds instead of about 14,000 originally. That sounds like a good deal. Alec Guinness had the foresight to look ahead and perhaps think, well, let's take a chance here. Maybe you have often wondered about that. Maybe if you could just catch a break, maybe if you could get into something at the ground up, maybe you too could be like that. The same stories could be told about someone who invested in Apple or Google or Microsoft and all these grand companies at the very beginning. There's tales told of guys that put in $10,000 and they got absolute millions back when things went to public sale. But most of us don't have that foresight. Most of us can't predict what even tonight's going to be like. Will Scott let us out by 20 past 7? We will see. Who can predict? Who knows the way of an out-of-control preacher? But folks, here's the thing. When it comes to our faith, faith does not depend on foresight. Faith does not depend on hindsight. Faith receives and rests in Christ alone as he is offered in the gospel. That's the nature of saving faith. That's a definition of faith as we have time and time and again declared in this church. Faith is a receiving and a resting in Christ as he is offered in the gospel. And so if that is a correct and accurate definition of faith as we believe it is, then, then we do not need to be sitting at home endlessly wondering about the future, predicting what tomorrow is going to be like, trying to invest our money in the right way so that God willing in 20, 30 years time we too will be multi-millionaires and can retire at age 48. That's not probably for most of us the way it's going to work, but that's okay. As I've said, faith does not need foresight or hindsight. Faith looks to Jesus. Abraham, this man of faith, as we read about in Hebrews 11, had knew nothing about Christ at this point. He knew nothing about a cross. He knew nothing about an empty tomb. He knew nothing about the Gospels and all the stories that you and I take for granted. But Abraham, this man of faith, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. John preached his way through Galatians over the summer. And whilst that feels like a very long time ago now, Galatians is clear that we are spiritual descendants of Abraham. And with great delight we sing about Father Abraham and his many sons. This was a man of faith. A man who was told by God, I am going to make a mighty nation out of you. You will have numerous descendants. You are going to see great and miraculous things. And Abraham couldn't necessarily see it with his own eyes. And indeed in this passage in Hebrews we're told that he died before he received the promise. But nevertheless, by faith, Abraham looked to Jesus. And you see, tonight, folks, as we consider how you and I are to live in this day and age, and we heard this morning about the cost of grace, and therefore our response to it should be an active day by day, picking up our cross and following Jesus and dying to self. Well, what does our faith look like in that day and age? I was speaking last night uh, at a harvest up the mountain there in Ring's End. Uh, it's a scary place up there. You go past really the end of the road here and it starts to get a bit intimidating. But I was up there preaching my wee heart out and, and we were talking about the changes that are coming in the next few weeks in Northern Ireland. We're talking about abortion and 
and gay marriage and all these different things that are coming in, being forced in, because there's no assembly at Stormont. And we were considering it and worried about it and thinking about it and praying about it. And, and when we hear news like that, the temptation is to, to fear, to doubt, to question and to worry. And we've heard today, haven't we, that perhaps there's some sort of deal going on to get a deal done for Brexit by the time Halloween comes. And it seems, perhaps, maybe not for the first time, our wee company's going to be sold down the river. We would love to have the answers to those things, wouldn't we? We would love to be able to say, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, everything's going to be okay, but we cannot do it. So what is the antidote to it? How do we live in such a time, in such a day and age? We live by faith. Abraham couldn't see everything that was coming, but we read here in verse 8 that it was by faith Abraham obeyed. And it was by faith that he obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And listen to this dramatic part of verse 8 at the end of it. It says, And he went out, obeying God, following God's command, by faith he went out, not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he is going. If there is a certain thing to to keep me stressed out, it's when we get into the car on a summer's day, we're up in Port Rush, we're going out for the day, and Jenny's adventurous. She's just a, a girl that gets out and walks about, doesn't care where she ends up or where she's going. She's very Baptist in that respect. But I like a bit of order. And so I get into the car, and like a six-year-old child, I won't go anywhere, I'll not reverse, I'll not drive out of the driveway until we know where we are going. And Jenny will say, let's just go. Just go. And I'll, no, no, I'm not just going. Because if I just go, we'll end up at the beach. And we were there yesterday, and that's not fair, so where are we going? She'll say, well, what about the Giants Causeway or, or maybe Port Stewart? And I'll say, well, no, you've got to narrow it down. Can't go to Causeway and Port Stewart. We can't do everything all in one day. Where are we going? Isn't it a joy to be married to such a man as me? Ladies, you're sitting there thinking, wow, what a guy. What a guy he is. Now, I don't exaggerate there. Genuinely, that's how I am. I want to know where we're going. What are we doing today? Let's plan it out. Let's not just be will-o'-the-wisp floating along on a wing and a prayer. But Abraham, by faith, obeyed when God called him to go out. Abraham, by faith, obeyed going to a place where he did not know where he was going. And more than that, in verse 9, we're told that by faith he goes to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So by faith, Abraham obeys. He goes to a land, and he doesn't know where it is, where he is going. And he goes not to some grand hotel room on the top floor, not to the lap of luxury, but to tents, to a foreign land, to a place that, well, frankly, probably you're not going to gather your family up to move to. Imagine that, folks. Imagine if tonight, as you're lying there having a, a wee bit of pillow talk with your loved woman, your wife looks over at you and says, Love, I think, I think we need to move to Drummond's. Would you be looking the estate agent in the morning? Probably not. Sweetheart, I, I, I think... I really do think we're going to move to Fintana. Probably not. Probably not. And yet Abraham, by faith, trusts God. 
that he is going to be the father of a multitude of nations. He follows God into the land of promise. He doesn't know where he's going. He's going to live in tents. It's a foreign land. Nobody wants to be in a foreign land. Nobody wants to, to be the odd one out. I always remember my year spent in Dublin. Never went out of my room, never talked to anybody, but I did live in Dublin. And I always remember when I got into a fight, nearly getting onto the bus, and the boy pushed me, and I pushed him back, and, and he started shouting at me in his broad Dublin accent, and I started shouting back, talking like this. Who wants that? A foreign land, a place you're not really sure where you're going, and you and your family living in tents, an incredibly temporary situation, and yet by faith, Abraham followed. By faith he obeys. By faith he goes. And my friends, that is the reality in this day and age. And that is why I increasingly think nothing of Brexit. And increasingly, and this might sound like heresy, I think little to nothing about the border. And whisper it. Would you let the border fall if it did the gospel good on this island? I think I would. We're here and it's a very temporary situation. And like Abraham, I pray that in this day and age, our faith is one that follows the Lord, even though we can't have foresight or, or hindsight, even though we don't have a 10-year plan, a guaranteed success rate, invest £10,000 today and get a million back 10 years later. None of us have got that in the bank. But by faith we follow. For the sake of Christ, we are prepared to go wherever the Lord calls us to go. We are prepared to be those men and women of faith, even though in this land we look like sojourners and aliens. Because like Abraham, we are looking forward in verse 10 to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The choir sang something similar to that just a few moments ago. There is the object of our faith. We long for the day that we are with Christ in the heavenly place where we truly will put down roots that last not just for a time, but for all eternity. See, as we read in verse 13, Abraham and his family, they died in faith. They hadn't received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That is who we are. More and more we see that in Northern Ireland for a long time. Perhaps we've felt like the, the majority. We're all Christians in Northern Ireland. We, we don't mind the old gospel missions with churches coming out our ears. We are in the ascendancy here. But as that changes, I think more and more we realize the reality of who it is to be a Christian. We are strangers and we are exiles on the earth. It shouldn't surprise us. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 9, verse 58, the Lord Jesus says, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This sense of temporariness, this sense of no security, those are things that none of us want. We talk, don't we, about our forever home. Our forever home. I had a friend who's sister moved home about six times in ten years, climbing the ladder, getting another wee bit of profit, another wee bit of profit, and, and at this point, as far as I know, they're in their forever home, the place that they're going to put down their roots. And yet we do not have the foresight of Alec Guinness. We cannot say for sure that our forever home 
We will even see five years in it. Who knows what the future will bring? Instead, the attitude of believers following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ is to trust in him, to have faith in him, and to understand that now in Christ we are strangers and exiles on this earth. This is not our home. This is not where we will be. We are men and women, verse 14, who are seeking a homeland. We are seeking a homeland. We desire, verse 16, a better country that is a heavenly one. And as a result of that desire, that faith, that longing for that permanent address of glory, God is not ashamed to be called our God. For he has prepared for us a city. Friends, you know, I often think that my faith would be stronger with, with a vision like this one. My faith would be much stronger if I wasn't so obsessed with the day-to-day and the things of now. And I'm not saying that as believers we, we just don't care. Every morning if we're up early or I'm up early, the same thing happens. You have to make earlier breakfast. And it's like trying to satisfy some person in a fancy restaurant. You've got to get the right bowl and the right cereal and the right level of milk. And often Jenny will come down and there's about seven liters of milk on the table and Jenny will look at me and say, you put too much milk in. Too much milk. You think, oh, I'll get it right tomorrow. You never do. I'm not saying you just wake up tomorrow and say, kids, make your own breakfast. I don't care. I'm looking for the heavenly city. Of course not. Of course not. We have to be engaged in in everyday ways and in life in general, every single moment, we have to. But in those moments where you find yourself becoming more and more comfortable, in those moments where you're settling down and thinking more of this world as your hope instead of Christ, those are the moments, I think, when we need to remember we are sojourners, we are exiles, we are aliens, we are strangers on this world, men and women saved by faith in Christ who are going one day to their homeland. We have not got there yet. Abraham leaves his home. And Abraham goes by faith to an uncomfortable situation, living in tents in a foreign land. And he does it because he is a man of faith. He is a man who even in those days had received and was resting in the Christ who he could only see veiled from afar. But that is the nature of this man's faith. And not only does faith understand that our eternal home is the one we're looking for, not only does faith understand that everything here is temporary just as it was for the Lord Jesus Christ, but but faith believes the extraordinary. Faith believes the extraordinary. How many of us have bought into the notion today that, that the church is on the retreat, that there is no hope anymore for the gospel? Nobody wants to hear it. We're shrinking back, we're, we're fading away, and yet saving faith believes that our God is able. We see it here in Abraham's life. We've already mentioned the, the joy that I take anyway in these words that Abraham and Sarah were an old man, an old woman. They had not yet had any children. By faith, we're told in verse 11, however, Sarah received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Abraham was good as dead when this promise was given, that they would have these descendants. And yet, 
this man and this woman, they believed God. They trusted that God was able to do the extraordinary. They believed firmly that the Lord had promised and therefore it would come to pass. I'm not saying tonight, folks, that if you're heading towards the age of 100 that you can expect a wee bun in the oven by the time Christmas comes. But how many times is the Lord the last one that we consult? How many times is the Lord the last one we believe? How many times do we read his word and question it? We're not terribly sure. We're, we're not convinced, are we? God has promised, but. It's not the way we, we speak as men and women of faith. God has promised, but you know, I'm really not sure. It seems too good to be true. It seems too much, too much to believe. That wee hall I was at last night, up at Ring's End, up past Finnis, and it always seems intimidating because any time I'm there, it's pitch black. Never been up there during the day. You crazy? Going up the mountain during the day? They'd steal your tires and eat your children up there. But seeing Ring's End, any time you go, the wee one, the men that, that run it and the wee women that come as well, they'll say, well, how's your family? How's your family? And they don't mean Jenny and the kids. I'm sure they're fond of Jenny and the kids. But they mean my mum and dad. My unsaved mum and dad. I gave my testimony the first night I went to preach there. They've never forgot. And last night the wee man says to me, do you know, brother, we pray for your family every single Monday night in this hall. That's the church. That's men and women whose faith knows. Do you know what? We need to pray about this. We need to pray that Scott's mom and dad are saved. I don't know if I pray enough for it. There's this wee group of Christians up the mountain up there sharing the gospel and praying for a man and woman they have never met and probably never will. Because they believe that our God is able. They believe that our God is able. Friends, it's hard to believe that when life is tough. It's hard to believe it when we get a good boot. It's hard to believe it when the problems just keep adding on problem upon problem upon problem. But this old couple, as good as dead, believed that a child was coming. A child was coming. And as we know, from this line, from this seed, ultimately Christ would come. Years later, not, not in nine months, but years later. And Abraham and Sarah wouldn't see it, but they believed God's promise that a seed, a child, a child was coming. And they even believed that when the Lord tells Abraham in verse 17 to, to offer up Isaac. And I believe John preached about this, so I'll not steal his thunder or, or contradict him or anything else. But Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And we know that story. And I, Abraham knows that, that he was going to have to offer, offer up his son, even though it was said of Isaac in verse 18, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So Abraham knows. Here is my son, my only begotten son. Of course, there was Ishmael. We know that story. Ishmael was Abraham taking things into his own hands. Isaac is the child of promise. And Abraham knows Isaac is the seed. He is the line. Abraham was prepared to offer this child up. And why? Because in verse 19, 
he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham and Sarah, this man and woman of faith, this couple of faith, they trust that God is able to do extraordinary things. And for some of you folks, that may come in a very simple way tonight as you consider perhaps a prayer that you have prayed for months, decades even. A prayer that is very, very specific about a very individual, particular thing relating just to you. And you know what it is. You know that prayer that hasn't been answered. For some of you, it is a a child of yours who you love dearly but who does not love the Lord. When is the Lord going to answer that prayer? You know what it is. It's it's an ongoing battle that you have. A battle with sin. a, A battle with guilt. A battle with whatever it might be. And you think, when is the Lord going to answer that prayer? Brothers and sisters, tonight I can testify before you that often in my life the biggest issue is that I do not have faith. I know enough to get up and preach, but when the rubber hits the road at times, I look to myself rather than to the one who has called me to saving faith in Christ. Abraham and Sarah believed God was able. Able to give them a child, able to raise that child from the dead, able to answer this promise, this extraordinary promise that he had made, able to use this man and woman, even as aliens and strangers on this land, they believed God. They had this faith. They looked forward to the day that Christ was coming. They had faith even, perhaps, when it seemed that prayer was going on answer. Friends, tonight, our faith is an incredibly extraordinary gift. We have been redeemed from the pit as we heard this morning Christ came in the fullness of time born of woman, born under the law born to die and born to redeem us from the curse of the law. He has gifted us this extraordinary faith. We have received him. We, we rest in him. And tonight we pray that he would strengthen this faith in us. These are hard, dark, and difficult days. And that's probably true of you before you even turn on the news or open the paper every single day. Hard, dark, and difficult days. But by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, living in tents. And by faith, his wife believed God, receiving power to conceive because he had promised. And by faith, Abraham was the man who saw descendants born as many of the stars of heaven and as many as the grains of sand by the sea. And they died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Friends, this is the thing. Tonight, perhaps, you put your head on the wee pillow, you close your eyes, and the next time you open them, you are in glory. Maybe those prayers in your lifetime are not answered. Maybe you don't live to see the next great revival in this land. 
Maybe you don't get to see that child coming back to Christ. Maybe you don't get that answer that you're longing for when, when your loved one is struggling with cancer. But by faith, tonight we know who it is that we have believed. Tonight we know that we are secure. Maybe not on this earth as aliens and strangers longing for that heavenly city. But we are secure in Christ. And therefore by faith. We long for that day, for that land, for that time that we are with the object of our faith, Christ Jesus, forevermore. Friends, my problem is never what I think it is. My issues are never what I think they are. My problem is that I have faith that as a man once cried out to Jesus, I believe, help my own belief. Friends, may Christ tonight strengthen the faith that he has gifted us. And may he gift someone in our number faith tonight. Because Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Enoch and Abel and all these guys and girls that we will read about in this wonderful passage of faith, every single one of them came to realize the truth. That there's no one greater than Christ. There's no one better. There's no one more worthy of our worship. And friends, tonight as I seek a strengthened and renewed faith, I pray for some of you that it will be a faith for the first time that clings to Jesus as you receive and rest in him alone. We are not here forever. We're not here to put down roots. But God is not ashamed of us. Men and women of faith, as imperfect as that may be. But he has prepared for us a city. And we long for the day that we get to go home. Amen. And we thank God tonight for his precious word.